Welcome to the PKN Podcast, where we give you the wrap on all things packaging. Welcome, folks, to the PKN Packaging News Podcast. My name's Grant McCarran, and as ever, I'm joined by Lindy Houston, Managing Editor and Publisher of PKN Packaging News and the host of this show. Hello, Lindy. Please tell us about our topic and guests for this episode. Well, Grant, I'm super excited today. We're going to be talking about the packaging on one of my very favorite brands, and that's KitKat. Um, you'll remember that I mentioned to you recently in, in quite a few of the podcasts that the Nestle KitKat wrapper project um, has come to the fore. There's been a great development, a coalition of companies with a shared vision to close the loop on soft plastics have produced the country's first ever prototype of a soft plastic food wrapper made with recycled content. And this was for Nestle's KitKat brand. Now, the coalition of companies comprises Nestle, which was the program lead, CurbCycle, IQ Renew, Lysella, Viva Energy Australia, Lion del Basel, Red Cycle, Tagleaf Industries, and Amcor, all of whom brought their individual expertise to the table for the prototype's creation. So very excited today because we have as our guest two key players involved in the project, Jackie Nordsven, Head of Packaging at Nestle Oceania, and Richard Smith, Director of Sustainability at Amcor Flexibles Asia Pacific. Now, welcome back to the podcast, Jackie and Richard. Both of you are second timers, and both would have known that this project was in the offing when we last spoke on the podcast. So well done on keeping your lips so effectively sealed. We're going to start with you, Jackie, such a feather in Nestle's cap. I have to ask, how long was this project in the making and why was the KitKat brand chosen out of all your many, many brands? Firstly, thanks for having us again today, Lindy. It's surprising how little time creating the wrapper actually took once the idea was there. It was about four months from start to finish and what was really encouraging to see was the will of the organisations to make it happen. But of course, the road to get there was much longer than four months. We announced our plan to trial curbside recycling of soft plastics at the National Plastics Summit in March last year. We spent a lot of time talking to people in the waste industry, to recyclers, to packaging manufacturers and to others to try and understand where the challenges are in packaging, in collection, in sorting and so on. The thoughts that emerged from that were what was working, what wasn't, how could we build something better? Once the idea was there, it wouldn't go away. You couldn't unthink it. For everyone, this was entirely uncharted territory. So there was a lot of stumbles along the way, but the will to create it was huge. The outcome is just a prototype, but it's about much, much more. It's about a vision shared by a group of companies, and it's about how we can build a discussion that might, we hope, lead to some really significant change in how we collect sort and process used soft plastic. And why KitKat, you ask? Who better to encourage giving the planet a break? (laughs) Absolutely. Well, Richard, I'm welcome to you now and want you to explain to our listeners why this is such a breakthrough and how the process works, i.e. how do we make this recycled wrapper? Hi, Lindy, and thanks thanks again for having me on. It's um, the recycled wrapper. Uh, it comes about because of actually the the first and foremost desire of our the consumers actually to do the right thing. Um, they wanted to have their packaging recycled, and so consumers have participated in the Kirby uh, curbside collection process and the Red Cycle Take Back to Store recycling program. And I sort of think 
without just going into all the details right now, I, I think we should reflect on what I just said, that the consumers, like all of us and are listening to this podcast, wanted to have their packaging recycled. And that's really the heart of this breakthrough. And we should really thank those consumers for making this all possible. And with this consumer's collection material, the, the packaging was collected and then using Lacella's pyrolysis technology, um, the collected materials were converted to oil. And then the oil was converted to propylene at Viva. And then the polypropylene was made by Lyme Del Bacell from that propylene. And so now we had a polypropylene resin in pellet format, just like normal, but rather than made from oil coming out of the ground, it was came from that collected plastics. And I wonder, are you, are you with me so far, Lindy? Yes, I'm, I'm keeping pace. <laughs> Excellent. So, well, then that polypropylene from Lyndell Purcell was sent to Tag Leaf, and, which is what normally happens, who then made their film for Amcor. And then Amcor printed the film and applied the cold seal and sent the film to Nestle. And, of course, Nestle packed it out with some lovely Kit Kats. And so the, the loop was closed, uh, ready for the next Kit Kat wrappers to be uh, collected and recycled again and again and, and all safe for food. And, and, and it's a process that can be repeated time and time again, Lindy. Well, I'm pleased to hear that because I think there's some confusion about quite how circular this is in terms of that recyclability of the recycled material, Richard. It's actually a great demonstration of the fact that this is something that's going to be truly circular, Lindy. Yeah, I think that's so crucial. Now, Jackie, a collaboration of this many companies right through the circular value chain, which has never been explored before, was new for everyone. What did it require from all the parties to pull this off so quickly? And why do you think it was possible? Well, I think, Lindy, there were so many times along uh, along the way where we weren't sure it was, in fact, possible. Every organisation had different challenges and different obstacles to overcome. What brought us together was a common objective. We know now that we can create a better future for soft plastic in Australia. We know it's possible and we know the outcomes are good for each business and each industry represented in that circle, as well as for our environment. The real driver behind the speed was that everyone could see the benefit and how important it was. In most instances, the companies involved could see the benefits for their own industry sector, for their own business, as well as for wider social benefits. That's good as it creates an impetus that can help this grow and hopefully one day be realised at scale. It has a great deal of potential as a true shared value project where business benefits, where society benefits, where the environment benefits and where genuine value is created for everyone. Richard, would you like to weigh in on the value of this sort of collaboration? I think what you see here, Lindy, is that the team really had a clear vision we were, what we were trying to show, and, and it showed that it was possible to collaborate, um, to learn, to create real value, and, and that was a really great experience. We learned a lot about the complexities of introducing new fuels to a refinery, and, and I really must take my hat off to the team at Viva. They, they moved mountains to make this project a success, uh, and it just actually, it actually shows how important our refineries are for our business and our, for our country. 
Yeah, well, I have to say that um, with that many players bringing in all their bits to contribute, it would have been a lot of voices at the table, a lot of combined energy, which is a really good thing to see, positive energy. And as Jackie mentioned earlier, the real will to get it done. So that's probably one of the most exciting things about this project really was to see that kind of industry-wide collaboration. Certainly for me, I think so. But the burning question, of course, now that we've shown it can be done, is how can we do this at the scale required and what the next steps are going to be involved to scale this up? Perhaps that's a question for you, Jackie. Well, Lindy, we've created a tiny thin loop, almost like a filament. But what we do know is that none of us in that loop or even all of us can turn this into something that works at scale, even with the best will in the world. We've shown that it can technically be done, but the problem is actually systems ones, not technology ones. Given the number of industry sectors in that full loop, we can't reach scale just by working together. What we need to do is build something that works at scale. Um, To do this is to involve all three levels of government and the companies in all the industries represented because we need to all do things differently to what we're doing now in order to build this. We know there are lots of obstacles and I'm not going to pretend we've got all the answers to them, but by working together towards a common goal, we can bring all the solutions to the table. What's encouraging is that there are already some levers that will take us in the right direction. The Australian Food and Grocery Council are looking at what an extended producer responsibility scheme designed for soft plastics might look like for Australia. The government CRC grants will fund projects to improve Australia's waste management capabilities and capacity to generate higher value recycled commodities. And we've got a feasibility study underway to determine the technical, economic and environmental benefits of a locally advanced recycling industry otherwise known as chemical recycling, which is being funded by Lysella, IQ Renew, Coles, Lionel Basel and Nestle. Okay, so a crucial step at the beginning of it all is that collection of material. And that was one of the earlier projects that we spoke about when you were last on, on the podcast, Jackie. We spoke about the Kirby curbside collection pilot. Can you give us an update on how that has gone on the Central Coast? It's that crucial source of post-consumer material. Yes, of course, Lindy. Um, The trial is running successfully as a proof of concept with around 2,000 households at the moment. Compared to what we expected, there's a greater uptake. We had double the participants we wanted in the first 24 hours. We have far less contamination than we expected. We have less damage to the bags themselves um, as they come through the material recovery facility. Um, They're doing that surprisingly well. We have much more consumer enthusiasm. and It's been absolutely delightful to hear the engagement. We're also not seeing an increase in wish cycling of soft plastics. So the soft plastics are going rightfully into their bags, into the bins, and not just into the bins themselves without the bags. Um, The next step we're working on is expanding it to the wider Central Coast community so we can test it at a larger scale. Well, that's great news. So, Richard, from Amcor's point of view, are you working on any similar projects in other markets? Uh, Lindy, thank you. We are, and it's all part of our global 2025 commitment, which is around ensuring that we do get packaging being recyclable and actually increasing the amount of post-consumer recycled content into our packaging. Um, We're working very hard both here in Australia, as you can tell, and in the region. And in reality, this is the future. Consumers want to recycle the packaging. 
No one wants to see the packaging in the environment or in the oceans, and that's at the heart of everything we're doing right now. So the answer is yes, there is collaborative work across the region happening across the value supply chain like we've just seen here in this uh, study and work that's been done here in, in Australia. But that's fantastic to hear. With a player um, of the size and scale of Amcor, you would hope that there would be numerous projects and we're looking forward to reporting on them as they come to market. Now, a very important part of all of this has been dialogue around the project, around what has to happen uh, for Australia to step up and move towards a circular economy. And I understand, Jackie, that in March, Nestle hosted leaders from across the plastic packaging value chain for a roundtable event aptly named The Wrap on Soft Plastics, and that was exploring the opportunities and hurdles for soft plastics recycling. Now, I would imagine that building a curbside collection infrastructure nationwide for soft plastics might come up in discussion. Um, can you give us, you and Richard, perhaps give us an inkling of the core talking points at that roundtable? We weren't invited as media, unfortunately. And also, I'd love to know if you left the meeting feeling that uh, there is a sense that action is really going to be taken, especially from government. Uh, Lindy, I, um, you're right. I think that what I took away was that there was a real sense of now we're starting. And then I think that's really clearly what that demonstration was about. It was that this was the start and showing what was possible. The sort of key takeaways I had were that it was clear curbside collection is possible and there needs to be government help with industry to make this much more widely accessible to consumers. Um, I think the refinery industry needs to be recognised for its critical role in having a circular economy uh, for plastics in Australia and New Zealand. And I think also the takeaway was, the third one was the collaboration across the supply chain was indeed possible. There was a strong business case. The environmental imperative was clear and that now with government support, we needed to create the scale that was necessary. And Jackie, from your side, what do you think? So for Nestle, this began when we, we'd been working on the curbside trial and the broad question of what a better future for soft plastics might be in Australia. As we worked on this, it became obvious that the time had come to share where we'd gotten to more broadly. And with the idea of bringing others into the vision, including government, so Nestle would really welcome curbside collection of soft plastics as we think it's the only way to collect at scale, but we can't possibly achieve that ourselves. And of course, we'd like to see thoughtful and considered use of plastic that is collected so that it becomes a resource and ultimately back into food grade packaging. The purpose of the Wrap on Soft Plastics event was to begin to tell that story more broadly and to start to bring others along with us. We don't all have the answers, but we do know that if we collaborate with others, together we can make a difference. Okay, well, that sounds um, almost like some good rhetoric there, <laughs> but it does seem that progress is going to be made. Richard, do you think it's it's going to happen fast enough? Absolutely. I think that uh, the momentum has, has been created. I think the uh, Nestle have helped industry to see a vision that, that is possible. And I think we're already starting to see discussion from government on, on harmonisation of collection. I, I think we can see that there's a feasibility study already been undertaken. These elements are going to build and continue the momentum, I think, that's been created by this demonstration for sure, Lindy. And would you like to give us a final message from your side, from the AMCOR side of things, Richard? 
I think first and foremost, I'd deeply like to thank everyone that participated in the demonstration. Um, it's been a great experience. And I think I'd like to also thank all the support that we've actually received since. And it's clear from all the communications we've had and all the discussions since that this is what people want to do. This is what they want to create. They want to create scale in Australia and New Zealand for this sort of recycling of our packaging. And I think just one other thing that I'd like to highlight is that it's demonstrated for me some very important points about successful leadership skills, which you should all note. I mean, innovation in reality is a team sport. It's no use working in silos. The collaboration is really crucial and that sustainability here is showing it's all about creating value for our customers and obviously for the environment and for the communities we work in. So it's really important for us all to collaborate in this way. And Jackie, how about a, a wrap up from you? I guess um, Nestle would really also like to say a huge thank you to the team that made this possible. Curb Cycle, Red Cycle, Lysella, Viva Energy Australia, Lionel Bazel, Tagleaf Industries and, of course, Amcor. Nestle, Amcor or any of the team involved can't drive this individually. All we can do is help to show what it might look like. I can't emphasise enough, as Richard said, this takes collaboration. Please collaborate. Please bring your talent expertise and a sense of possibility to identifying and solving the challenges that will inevitably come up. It's a chance to make a real difference for Australia. And we're working with the AFGC to bring interested parties together to outline the next steps for the future of soft plastics recycling. Well, all that remains for me to say on that then is thanks to both of you for bringing your talent and expertise to the PKN podcast table and for giving us a wrap on that new fantastic recycling project, um, Circular Recycled Wrapper for KitKat. And that will bring to a close now, Grant, our season two for the PKN podcast. Thank you both, Richard and Jackie, for joining us. Thanks so much, Lindy. Thanks, Lindy. Thanks, Grant. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Richard. And thank you, Lindy. What an amazing uh, episode to end the season on. I am uh, amazed just how much effort there was behind the scenes to bring this forward. Well, it sounds very simple, but what's behind it is incredible. Well, thanks, folks, for joining us for this episode and for the season so far. We'll be back in the not-too-distant future, despite taking a wee break, with another informative episode. But until then, have a great day. You've been listening to the PKN Podcast. Produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of PKN Packaging News. Owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of PKN Packaging News, Yaffa Media or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast's audio, please contact us via the website or send an email to editor at packagingnews.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's packaging industry at packagingnews.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast.